Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Beta Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. We're offering a free one hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream. Now I've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself and there's no reason you can't as well. Cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day. So if you have a job, or if you have a business or you're just spending a lot of time with your family, you're gonna have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this, okay? now. We're also offering a 15 minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutesdoctrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself. And there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there guys, talk soon. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome back, everybody. We are very happy to be here again with you, sharing some real estate investing knowledge and uh, and experiences of uh, Sandy and I, who's here again. Sandy, uh, how are you? Amazing, amazing. And also, our amazing guest that we have waiting in the wings. So we'll get to Riley in just one minute, but first, we want everybody to remember to go over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. There you can download all of the past 129 episodes, I think, that we've done with all kinds of amazing, knowledgeable, incredible, talented, smart, brilliant investors from right across the country. Um, and so there is like a wealth of knowledge to learn if you're just starting out or even if you've got all kinds of background in real estate there's something you can learn from any of these guests so go back take a look see what you've missed out on and uh and um you know get caught up and while you're there download our free report yeah at breakthroughreipodcast.ca you can get that uh get on our email list you'll get that free report the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estates and you will never miss out on an episode that way either if we ever have a hiccup with technology or something like that you can always make sure you don't miss out because you will definitely get emailed about every episode and about our seminars webinars property tours everything else we got going on in the real estate world so make sure you jump on that and uh don't miss a beat I don't know why you laughed there when you said that. We haven't had any technical difficulties. Well, seven we? years, seven years of uh, growing technology and different ups and downs with that. There's probably a blip here or there, maybe. You got to stop saying that. We should have been <laughs> on video seven years ago and stopped doing video like a couple of years ago instead of the other way around. Probably. But. Um, and as well, everyone, please go over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. 
super helpful, helps us get out there. We got a lot of recognition and love so far, and we do appreciate that. But if you haven't jumped on, told us what you think, get on there. It only takes a few minutes and just, you know, one way or the other, good or bad, let us know what you think of the shows and uh, the kind of info that we've been bringing you and also the kind of stuff that you'd want to hear in the future. So jump on over on iTunes and do that for us. It would be greatly appreciated. We've got a bunch of five-star reviews um, and, you know, some that aren't five stars too, but uh, we do just feel very grateful for everyone that's um, supported the show so far. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Tons of uh, interaction there. We'd love to see more and continue that and, and make sure um, if I missed it, make sure you guys jump onto Facebook and and or YouTube and watch us because we'd love to get some interaction during the shows. We've got great guests coming on every, uh, almost every week here and they have such good knowledge, but you can answer, you can ask your specific question right there live if you want. And we'll, we'll do our best to bring it into the show and, uh, and get it answered. So make sure you do that because there's a great opportunity there that um, that our listeners definitely can take advantage of and uh, and get some more value. And every time we're on, we have great guests. It's just that we don't necessarily do it every other week. That's what yeah. Sandy meant by that. Not that, <laughs> not that all the guests aren't good. Um, <laughs> that's true. They're all, they're all fantastic. And we appreciate everybody taking their time out and coming on the show. And we've got to extend that same gratitude to Riley for coming on the show today. So, uh, Riley, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, Riley Oikel is a graduate from Western University, studied business, kinesiology. He's also a, a track star, I guess, with the varsity track and field team there. Uh, from ages 18 to 24, he started multiple businesses, including a home maintenance, uh, or sorry, home maintenance London and RO business consulting, which combined surpassed two million in revenue. So he's a uh, entrepreneur from uh, the ripe age of 18. And since then, Riley still operates his own businesses from afar and now focuses his career in real estate investing full-time. He's passionate about helping people take their first step toward financial freedom through the investment vehicle of real estate. So uh, wealth of knowledge there, someone uh, really crushing it at a pretty young age. So it's exciting to have you on. Welcome again to the show, Riley. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I've been a, been a fan of the podcast uh, for quite some time. So yeah. Well, we're really happy to have you. Now, one thing, Sandy, did you say from afar? Where where are you where are you calling from? Uh, I'm from yeah, uh, right now I'm in Ajax, Ontario, so more so towards like the GTA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the businesses are oper- operating like in London uh, mainly, and then I do a lot of the work remotely. So a lot of the business consulting right now, you can't really be in person much. So my, my, a lot of it's over Zoom um, and online. So. I mean, I, I, I certainly am not a fan of what's going on in the world right now as far as the, uh, the, the, the um, impact on small businesses and that kind of thing. But it has really forced a lot of people to learn how to do things remotely that they were doing from the office before. So um, in that way, I mean, in that small way, I suppose it might have helped some people uh, be able to do stuff like what you're doing. So. Um, we got to sort of look at some of the positives, whatever positives we can bring out of this, I guess. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit more in the future. Uh, let's start here with how you started your real estate investing journey. Sure. Um, yeah, so it would have been, I guess, around 2017. Um, so still quite recently, I think, if, if anything, this podcast will probably be resonating more so with the, with the beginners. Um, so yeah, I started in 2017 doing some research. Um, around real estate investing. And um, I actually wanted to start like a renewable energy business. So that was really where it all began. Um, And in doing so, I realized that the banks, to get a big loan of like, say, a million dollars or something from the banks, you had to have what they considered to be assets for collateral. I didn't own a property. I I didn't have any assets at the time. Um, And so I I started looking at real estate as like a way that I could gain some assets to then in the future start this renewable, renewable energy business. Um, and so, yeah, I guess after that, it really transferred into, um, doing more education. I actually connected with someone that was, was kind of in my network, uh, Corey McKinnon. And so I've, I had worked with Corey for about two years doing property management. That was really my, my foot in the door opportunity where I could really kind of get into the game and, and get into some pretty big, some pretty big rooms with, with successful people and, uh, and really understand the ins and the outs of how exactly it works and how you could go and. Could buy properties um 
yeah, so I guess that was about a two two year full immersion process from around 2017 until 2019. And then I actually just started buying properties within the last two years. Um, and yeah, so I kind of at the beginning was more private lending, uh, being the money partner on deals for joint ventures. And now I'm more the active partner. So, yeah, I guess that's really my journey so far. So you said you uh, started working with uh, uh, an investor we know, friend of the show, I guess, Corey McKinnon, back episode something, 80. We, we were trying to figure it out before the show started. Um, that up, Sandy. <laughs> I'll, we'll look it up. He's definitely, definitely a past guest, one of our friends there. And um, one thing that's cool in that story that you said is that you you just started working with him for him, whatever you want to call it, um, helping him manage some of his properties. So I think what you're doing there is you were going and and kind of pouring into someone who had some action already going in this space and you wanted to learn and grow through helping uh, someone who's a little farther down the line than you were, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I believe like if anyone um, wants to kind of get started in real estate investing, the best way to do so is definitely to mentor under someone. Um, I feel like I've been on this kind of like accelerator working with someone that's more experienced um, and having kind of uh, been with someone that's that's miles and miles and miles ahead of where I'm at um, has helped me kind of predict and, and make a roadmap towards where I want to go. So yeah, if, if, if anyone's really looking at getting started, I think the best way to do so is to, to be with a mentor. Very good. So let's talk about, um, so you, you stepped in, you learned, you started working property management from there. You said, okay, it's time for me to buy my first property. And it sounds like you went, um, I mean, possibly a luxury, maybe some of the beginners don't have, but you started on the uh, lending side. You were the silent partner. You just wanted to learn through um, giving, like helping be the the financing side uh, with somebody who had the knowledge that you didn't have. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I I, I believe like at the beginning, um, my main reason for even doing the private lending, and it wasn't like I had millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands to do private lending with. It wasn't wasn't that much money. Um, but certainly just, just was like, again, get my foot in the door, understand what it's like to even be a lender before um, asking other people to lend me money for projects. So um, I, I believe that there's really two sides to the coin here. And like the one side is like as the private lender, you're the one really uh, giving away money. And then as the person receiving the money for projects, you also you're, you're obviously uh, receiving the money. So there's two sides. And I wanted to make sure that I had more exposure on on the lending side before I was the one um being the one being uh you know having money lended to me so yeah that's really why i did it uh and, and i guess kind of an interesting term that we had agreed to with the private lending was i would actually be um involved with some of the decision making process not like at a high scale but actually like being involved with um, which types of properties we're choosing and understanding how they're choosing the properties and the projects that they're investing in um which helped me out quite a bit just understanding how, how they make the decisions. So that's how I started out too. It's, it's more, um, well, not too, but I started out on the other side of it, you know, um, working with people like yourself who wanted to learn, um, but you know, had the money and didn't have the experience. So, um, I think that that's really important depending on the kind of rooms that you're in and like the rooms that you're in are full of people that have experience. Right. So, um, so I think for most people, it might be getting into those kind of rooms, getting, getting beside those people who have that experience. That can be really important. And like, what sort of strategy then uh, was the, what, what strategy were you using then? What's, what model were you using to invest in real estate or what, what were the projects that you were involved in? What strategy was it? Yeah, mainly flips. So uh, just quick kind of short-term, uh, three, four, five-month um, private lending deals. And um, yeah, so just understanding, again, kind of how to how to find, find flips, how to um, analyze them properly, and then at the very end, obviously, how, how the numbers check out and what the profit is. And so so just, I guess, going through the, the flipping process, which, you know, um, contradicting kind of HGTV and how easy they make it seem, I find like the flipping strategy is probably one of the most challenging strategies out there, especially when you're beginning. So to make all the numbers make sense. Um, so yeah, just to kind of be a part of that process and not have a ton of risk um, being the lender. Um, yeah, I, I found it was a great way for me to get started, but 
Um, there's tons of different ways for sure. Like if you don't have the money, like property management was another great way just to start with even just volunteering your time uh, freely. If you're, if you're young and you have a ton of time and maybe not a, you know, a ton of money saved up, just lending your time to a more experienced person is an excellent way to get your foot in the door and get started. Yeah. I think that's a really, really, really valuable piece of advice. A lot of people starting out, you know, it's, it's the knowledge is so much more valuable than the little bit of money you can make in those early days. And, um, you can just leverage that knowledge so far in life that it's invaluable to learn from someone who's doing it at a high level and volunteering. It doesn't necessarily need to be volunteering. You can make some money in that too, potentially, but it's a great way to start out. Great way to get the knowledge. What, um, by the way, it's episode 88, Corey McKinnon. I, I did find that out. So we were close with the eighties. So 88, if someone wants to go back and, and listen to that, but, um, how did you actually get connected with him then? And how did you, how did you find the right person to connect with there and learn from? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess not to go into too much detail, but yeah, Corey actually was someone that was um, in a network that I was in beforehand. So he had actually worked at um, like a corporation that I also worked at and having kind of been exposed to Corey uh, when I was like 17, 18, and he was actually presenting within this network. And, uh, and he was the first person that I actually found that had retired quite early on. So he was able to retire in his like late 30s. And I thought that was pretty cool. And um, didn't know what financial freedom meant at the time, but uh, certainly as time has progressed, I've kind of learned more and more about that. So yeah, I guess that was the main way in which I had connected with Corey. But um, right now, I think a lot of people are just connecting on social media, like on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, it's pretty easy to just type in hashtag real estate investor or whatever, and just see who's in your area and, and figure out who you can, who, who you can connect with. Um, I know it is a bit more challenging now with like the, the lack of the events and meetups that are happening due to COVID and, and everything, but, um, there's lots of opportunities on social media to connect with, with people. Okay. So now how has your strategy changed from that early on, um, when you started to now where you're sort of taking over the other role? Yeah, it's really, uh, changed due to the lack of mortgage capability that I'm able to get at the banks. Um, obviously they limit you after a certain amount of mortgages. So then you're looking at, okay, like obviously partnering with someone else that, Mainly, actually, for me, uh, they want the experience, they want the education. And at the beginning, that was I was on the other side of the table. So I wanted the experience. I wanted the learning and um, to put in, you know, the down payment on a property and to put in a mortgage myself as the, say, the uh, the money partner to a joint venture to uh, partnership. Yeah, it was um, it was obvious that that's that's what had made sense at the beginning. Um, and now it just kind of it's flipped over to me being more of the active partner. So that's pretty much everything from like finding the deal to doing like the renovation um, to retenanting the property, to managing it long-term doing all the bookkeeping um, coordinating anything else that would really happen with the property. So um, yeah. So let's talk about um, let's talk about um, maybe go through some of the deals, share a little bit about the uh, actual ins and outs, some of the stuff you've learned through uh, through actually doing it. Sure. Yeah. Like I, um, I guess I could use this kind of template deal. We just worked on, um, this would have been like in the last three months. So there was a a triplex that came up on the market in London and it was actually on MLS. So we had found, um, a pretty good opportunity on MLS, uh, rents were under market and, uh, and yeah, so we analyzed it. We, um, we went through kind of like what the rent increase could be. And the unique situation is I usually work with people that are just starting out. So I'm kind of branded as the guy that helps first time um, investors. And so uh, through the education process, um, I was able to uh, figure out, hey, like they want to actually live in one of the units. So it could be owner occupied and they would be using their first time home buyers and it's a triplex. So um, usually the deal, um, the deal is that, that we're putting together with joint venture partners were the beginning allow us to put down 10%. So they had put down 10% on the property, which meant that the cash on cash was pretty good because it was, I think it was 415,000. So they ended up putting in around 41,000. Um, and then they were able to, we were able to to have them move into the main floor. And then the other two units uh, strategically, like the one upper unit was actually um, having the, the tenants move out. So uh, we had just through going through the walkthrough of the property when we were checking it out. Um, one, one kind of quick tip is always have conversations with the tenants 
when you're going through these walkthroughs, ask them, hey, how's the utility bill? If they're, if they're paying the utility bill, like is the heating good? Is the AC good in the, in the, in the summer? Um, how's the landlord currently? Um, are you planning to move out anytime soon? And because we had asked that question, we realized that the upper unit was actually going to be vacant. And it was pretty di- in, in like disrepair, which helped us actually go in there. We did all the floors over, we did the painting, um, we fixed the windows. And, and so we were able to increase rents like $300, which was pretty good for just a one bedroom. Um, and anyway, so now it's operating and we have a joint venture partnership on that 50-50. And um, yeah, it's been an awesome opportunity to, to work with, with um, them on the deal. And it's actually a couple um, and they're in there with, with their dog and they're moved in and, and they're stoked. Like the, the coolest thing is like I um, being branded again is like the, the person that helps first time income property buyers. Um, the, the one cool advantage of that is actually like being there for their first property and like their eyes light up and there's just this, you know, I think people that are more experienced than they bought in 50, 60, a hundred properties, they may actually lose that ecstasy feeling of like buying the first property and what that felt like. And it's, it's a pretty cool thing, right. Uh, to go out there and, and it's like, Holy smokes. Like I'm, I'm, you know, maybe in my twenties right now. And I just went, went out and I bought an income property. I'm doing host hacking and my mortgage is basically being paid off. And I'm, you know, through the host hacking strategy, that's usually what we do at the beginning with these first time income property buyers. They're able to live for free, which is a pretty, pretty awesome thing. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, I guess what, what one deal looked like is like just, just watching them go through, and actually move into the unit and being able to host hack was, was, uh, yeah, definitely very fulfilling for me. And now we're able to manage it alongside one another, um, which is great. Well, how powerful with, the, with what you're doing is that first time home buyers, right? Incredibly like, powerful. Yeah. 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 Like that, that might be the key to the whole thing right there. Cause look at the difference in the numbers. I don't know if the triplex would have looked the same, you know, uh, opportunity wise anyways like maybe long term sure it's still a good investment but <clears throat> you know when you cut that down payment in half what does that do to your roi absolutely yeah that's that's something to smile about you know as well um on top of just helping people out right so um that's fantastic i love to hear that i like that strategy and it sounds it sounds like a unique opportunity and something that um something that can really work well for you. So congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. There's tons of, um, I'm sure we have tons of listeners too listening that, that maybe don't own properties yet or that are, that are younger and thinking about how they can get in, get a foot in the door type thing. You know, you've got two awesome ways. If you have a little bit of cash or qualifying ability, you know, something like that is an awesome way to start out. And we've already talked about if you actually have nothing, no money, no anything to just go pour into someone and get, get value and you'll, you'll end up learning a lot. Right. Um, but I'm sure we have people that could use that house hacking with the low 5%, 10% down payment model. Whereabouts do you do that uh, strategy? Is that just in London or is it in other places too? Uh, in London and then Sarnia. So mainly, um, and we're, we're kind of focusing on like St. Thomas, Ingersoll, Chatham now more so, more so mm-hmm. just for like London's markets, pretty, pretty, um, intense right now. So kind of like the, the tertiary markets more and more, uh, there's kind of smaller areas. But um, yeah, like Southwestern Ontario, just to kind of summarize it all, but, but mainly London was the focus for, for a lot of the, the starting off properties for, for joint ventures. And so the price points, can you go, can you do a little bit of the numbers on that? Like the price points would be what, three, 400,000 or depending on the triplex, duplex, whatever. It yeah. Looks like, right? yeah. Like uh, again, it's kind of um, become like this whole systemized approach to like joint ventures, which is kind of unique. Um, and so we're, we're, um, always looking at properties between 300 and 500,000. Um, a lot of the, the first time income property buyers that I'm connected with, they, um, they usually are pre-approved for between three to 500. And, um, and they're usually looking at something more residential. So a duplex, triplex or fourplex. So, um, yeah, like usually we have our feelers out in the market looking for those specific properties. Um, usually they're not like intense repairs or like down to the studs type of like renos, but they're just like kind of easy cosmetic things. And I can actually do that alongside the joint venture partner that's starting off and we can, we can go in and we can do the floors over like we had on the triplex or, or show them how um, we do the painting or show them how to fix up the unit, whatever. Um, but we're not doing like extensive renovations where it's going to be three, four or five month, um, you know, uh, renovations. So, um, yeah. 
And so how do you look at, uh, like, how do you go about evaluating deals like that? Do you, um, is there really a model with that or is it all case by case, depending who you're partnering with? Uh, yeah, like we obviously have spreadsheets and whatnot that we, that we work with. Um, I, um, I like to run like the, the property through the Burr analyzer that we have. And, and so we're trying to refinance the property usually after two years would be a good goal. Um, I always kind of set that precedent that we're trying to refinance after two years if we can and, um, and get their, get their down payment back. Um, usually if it's a 10 or even 5% down, it's really tough to do a refinance, but if they're putting down 20%, the refinance is more, more likely. Um, yeah. So that would be kind of the, the main way of analyzing them. Um, obviously if it's more residential, we're, uh, I don't really look at cap rate nearly as much unless we're looking at more commercial properties, but if we're looking at residential, uh, usually it's cash on cash ROI. So at least 10% cash on cash. And then where we're doing joint ventures, at least a 25% kind of annual ROI. Um, that way we're splitting it up and they get around 12 and and I get around 12 and for the ROI. Beautiful. I love that. So let's talk about, um, well, you mentioned, uh, seeing the smile and being able to help people, but what other, what are some of the other things that motivate you, give you drive to keep going on this? Uh, yeah. So kind of, uh, digging in a bit around my why, um, yeah, like I, it's really just like, yeah, obviously helping people is amazing. Um, I, um, I certainly want to help my, my family quite a bit, like a big goal of mine, a big aspiration is to, um, help my parents retire. And, um, I'd love to do that before I turn 30. That would be a big goal of mine. Um, and just having the, the freedom in the future as well. Like I, um, I certainly want to be able to travel a lot more. Uh, not that you can do a, a ton of that right now, but certainly in the future, I want to be traveling quite a bit more. Um, and yeah, just have the, like the freedom of time. Um, a big aspiration of mine as well is like to be, um, like a serial entrepreneur in the future and start up multiple businesses. And I'm realizing that, that the, the larger businesses that you want to run that have like a lot more assets that are needed and like, obviously a lot more, um, costs that are associated with that. For example, like a re- renewable energy business that I wanted to run, like a solar panel business or geothermal, um, it's going to take like a lot of upfront costs. So a big motivation of mine was to actually have like an asset pool and a portfolio that I could lean on and, um, and just some passivity too of like cash flow and income that I could actually go and I could take two or three years to start up this new business um, and kind of go through that grunt work that it obviously takes for some of these businesses at the beginning um, and not just eat, you know, uh, canned beans and, and, uh, you know, craft dinner or something for three years straight and actually have some income coming in through the property. So uh, really, I guess to summarize it, it would be the cash flow. So to be able to live off the cash flow and um, and helping my, my parents and myself have more financial freedom in the future. So what are you doing right now for um, for for income? Uh, yeah, so right now I do quite a bit of property management. So that would be in London and in Sarnia. So I'm doing that uh, still quite full time. Um, and, um, and then I also do coaching with students. Um, so usually like people that aren't pre pre-approved yet, they don't have a down payment ready, uh, for joint ventures. Um, the other, the other opportunity is I do a lot of coaching. So I'll, I'll do one-on-one coaching on zoom. Um, and it just helps people kind of go through each step. So I have about a 10 week program and then that, that helps a lot of them, um, kind of go through the step-by-step over 10 weeks as to how to actually go out and buy their their property once they have that pre-approval ready and the down payment ready. Okay. So you are still fully, fully immersed in the uh, real estate investing. Yeah, it's totally, yeah. Full immersion. So probably 68 hours, 80 hours a week. Just right. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that being said, um, there's gotta be some systems that you use in your business that to help you be more effective. What kind of things, what kind of things are you using there? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big system systems and process type of guy. Like I, uh, I, I love systems. I think they, they just help alleviate a lot of time. And the biggest thing right now is like outsourcing the activities that are kind of below a certain pay grade. And um, I like to try to like, um, you know, make my time worth a certain amount. So certain things, if it's like property management, I'll outsource. Like I'm in Toronto right now, but there's properties in, in London and in Cernia. So I'll have like property managers obviously doing walk arounds and doing smoke detector checks and anything that happens, they'll be um, doing it. And it's pretty easy actually to find property managers. You can, you can go on Indeed, for example, and just post an ad and you can promote, uh, you know, finding a property manager and just find one person that, that is, you know, a, a pretty awesome person and, 
And through that, you can have them work with you and whatnot. So usually it's like a $20, $25 an hour task to just do general property management. So that's like one big system is just having someone as boots on the ground. Um, another would be bookkeeping. So I've recently outsourced bookkeeping. I'm a pretty big picture type of guy. And when it comes down to like these nitty gritty details that the government wants done perfectly and the CRA, you know, uh, obviously wants done pretty well, um, that would be bookkeeping and administration. So I have some, um, some I guess, systems in place on Google Drive. Like, for example, if, if there's an expense for like a, a project that we're doing, um, I have like, um, like Google, Google Drive open. I'll take a photo of that receipt. Um, when I'm going through like Home Depot, for example, or whatever it would be, and um, upload that directly to Google Drive, and then also upload it to QuickBooks, and then my accountant will actually just see it right in QuickBooks, and she'll be able to to determine where exactly it will go if it's current expenses or if it's capital expenses. Um, and so, just like a little system like that, like the bookkeeping, I think is something that a lot of even experienced investors overlook, and it can it can make it a, a world of difference um, having that outsourced. So. So totally worth systemizing that back end of the property because um, you have to look at these things as they are a business. Like it's almost like you're going out and you're buying a restaurant or you're buying some type of business. And um, and you want to make sure that, that that bookkeeping is taken care of, obviously. Um, yeah. So that would be those are like the two bigger things that I have for systems right now um, that I'm working with. Yeah, I would say like that is it is really important to put like a certain dollar value on your time and. And, and also maybe not only that, but the things that you're good at, right. And the things that you're not good at, you, it's definitely worthwhile to outsource them. I've found that anyways, there's a lot of things I'm not good at. So <laughs> everybody, everybody has lots of those. I think it's tough to, it's tough to a lot of people starting out. It's tough to get that at the start, right? It takes some time usually to learn about leverage and whatnot. Right. I think, um, maybe you're a bit unique in, in fit, figuring that out at an early age, but a lot of people uh, seem to struggle with that and uh, with any business, right. But real estate investing, you know, no difference. And especially, but if you're pulling in the property management side of it, of course there's, you know, that's more of a bit of a, I guess more of a traditional business than the full-time real estate investor would be. So you definitely need great systems and leveraging some, some of that stuff that you're not good at is a, is a kind of a key uh, strategy that, that, that you've learned early. So that's good. Congrats. How, how is that? How is that going to, um, how is that going to look in the future? Are you uh, planning to, you know, talk about um, maybe what that, that outlook is for, for the future of that stuff. You've got some good systems early on here going and you're, you're building up something pretty, pretty cool, but is that going to grow into something big or what's your uh, plans with it? Certainly. Um, yeah. Like again, I, I'd love to kind of get into sustainability and renewable energy more and more. Um, and the more I'm kind of understanding about real estate and what new builds could look like and retrofitting houses, I'm really seeing that there's going to be an ability to bring those two together and, and collaborate. And my vision for kind of like this whole real estate investing isn't necessarily to go and do flips or to do wholesaling. Um, not that there's anything wrong with those. I think those are great active income, uh, income sources. Um, and obviously using the burst strategy and doing joint ventures. I, I think all these are super valuable. Um, and at the same time, I'm really looking at just being able to implement sustainability into new builds. And I'd love to, in the next like 10 or 15 years, uh, have created like 100 net zero properties so that um, they, and, and I guess just like the quick definition of net zero is there's no energy actually being withdrawn from, from the grid. Um, it's actually just being created within the property and then um, it's net zero. So it's not uh, extracting any energy and using it up. It's just zero. So um, that would be um, something I'd love to do is is just start either, you know either doing of, of new of already built properties or new builds um, and yeah like obviously I think the world's gonna need it more and more with everything that's happening with the global warming so I'm a big problems type of guy and I think a big problem of ours is probably that topic so um, the more and more I can kind of help move towards that evolution and, and helping um, our generation um, work towards yeah like creating these net zero properties. I think that's, that's, that's where all this is leading to. So, um, mm -hmm. well, it seems to be a, a big passion of yours. So I wish you luck with that. Hopefully it goes really well for you in that, uh, endeavor on that side of things. So <clears throat> we've, we've, we have, haven't really talked about any challenges that you've had. So let's go through that. There's certainly gotta be some and how you've overcome them. 
Uh, yeah, challenges, like for sure. Um, I'd say that, like the, the biggest one at the beginning was just understanding how to run the numbers around like renovations. I um, I still feel like the the more extensive renovations, like taking a property down to the studs um, and, uh, and doing all the electrical and being able to price out something um, when you're walking into a property and it's like pretty, uh, you know, uh, in disrepair, like it needs a lot of work. And just to be able to like understand what that after repair value is going to be, I think that's going to be a big, it's a big challenge for me uh, to run those, those larger numbers and to understand, hey, is, is it going to be a $20,000 renovation? Is it going to be a 60? Is it going to be a hundred? Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm more capable here right now with my skill set, my experience to run like a more cosmetic flip or renovation. Um, but the more extensive renovations, I'm totally um, still struggling with actually. So it's kind of a still ongoing challenge of mine. I don't think I've, I've rolling up my sleeves enough and, and swung the hammer to really understand how a, how a renovation goes through, like right down to the studs. Um, so, yeah, I guess that that's a big challenge of mine right now is just kind of getting that firsthand experience. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I believe I probably need to put myself out there more and actually be on more job sites, talk to more experienced people in that renovation kind of area um, that, that do this full time, maybe even with new builds. Um, those are all challenges, but um, yeah, I, I, in terms of other setbacks, um, I think, yeah, like wholesaling, I, I did wholesaling for a bit for a few months, went horrifically wrong. I uh, put in a lot of time door knocking um, and handing out flyers. I, I like not nothing went wrong in terms of the transaction, but it was just like, I wasn't able to find any good opportunities, but I also feel like I was doing it in, it was, you know, back in March or in April and this is during COVID and everything. So it was probably like the worst timing ever to try to like start doing some wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Um, to leave their house, let alone. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. It's a tough time in the market right now to find discounted properties in certain areas. So um, anyway, so that was, that was a big challenge of mine, but it, I think it's always just, keeping your eyes on the prize and like where you want to go and what the vision is and, and you kind of work through all of the, all of the hurdles. Right. Um, so. Yeah, that's just it too. And I mean, you found something else that works for you, but I think that something you said there was really key and that was that you tried it for a couple months. Right. And like, I think even in this time, there is something to be said for, for, you know, you found something else, something else that works for you really, really well. But if you, actually said, I'm going to stick to this wholesaling thing and I'm going to make it work. You could have done it right. Even now. Um, I know there are guys that are doing it still through all this and finding incredible deals. So uh, I just think that if someone has enough drive, enough passion towards that thing that they want for you, it's the, it's this um, coaching and helping other people, you know, find their first property and working with them, um, you know, and you've made that work. So it's, that's the lesson that people need to take away from this is whatever you can't, you can't, it's not necessarily going to work in the first couple of months. You know, you, you, it it needs you to work on it until it, until it works. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of people that get that, that stroke of luck kind of usually stroke of luck early on is pretty rare. And I think you kind of got to like everything, right. You got to, take your, your kind of pay your dues in a way to, to make it work. And if you can push through and pay your dues along the way, and then it, it, it will open up eventually. It just might take a bit longer, especially now. I, I would, I would say it is probably one of the harder times to do wholesaling right now than ever. But um, I mean, Rob and I have both done it. So it, it works um, definitely works. And it's maybe we should just quickly touch on that model because uh, we didn't really explain what that is. What is wholesaling? How are you, how are you envisioning that happening or how did you, um, you know, what was the model going to be for that? Sure. That's something a lot of newbie, new, newer, uh, real estate investors can start out with for sure. Even in this time. Definitely. Yeah. Like the, the, I guess the definition, the quick definition of wholesaling would be finding a property that's probably in disrepair. It needs, um, needs some extra love, some TLC and, um, and finding that property and being able to get it for maybe a discount due to the inability to sell on the market or maybe a realtor doesn't want to list it it's just in such disrepair. Um, and so you're able to, to get that property for, for somewhat of a discount. And because you're also able to close quickly and maybe they want the money quickly or something and you can't really do it on, on the market, maybe it's going to take a full month and they're going to have to invest extra money to make it show showing ready. Um, and rather than going that route, the homeowner just decides to sell it quickly. So um, you're able to help them out there and alleviate a problem that they have. 
And in doing so, you're able to, to maybe make a spread between uh, what the property was purchased for and then what you're going to be offloading it for um, to, another, to another buyer. Um, so it's really like assigning that property to someone else that has the ability then to go out and do those uh, renovations, spend the you know twenty to maybe $100,000 that the property needs to bring it up to, to a good condition. So yeah, that, that's what we were going to be doing was kind of being a broker of the transaction between finding the opportunities, uh, which is obviously more of a challenge, and then finding people that want the deal, which isn't so much of a challenge um, necessarily. So everyone wants a good deal. That's not, uh, not a worry, but um, it's certainly yeah, finding the properties that, that can be. Um, and I think, yeah, like just to kind of touch on your point too, yeah, it's going to be always like a long-term game, right? Like you're, you're going to have to put your head down for however long it takes and just try, try again, that type of mentality. Um, and, uh, and yeah, certainly not, not the easiest time to, to get started in this type of strategy due to, you know, the, the market being pretty, pretty intense and inflated. But at the same time, I think, Hey, like if, if you start right now, like it's almost like I, I was a runner, like in track and field. Um, and before a big race, I would actually put like 10 pound weights on each of my ankles and I'd run around the track and that, that extra bit of resistance, um, helped so much more because when the race actually started, I felt like I was flying because it's like you're unleashed and that 20 pounds actually makes a lot of difference. So the extra bit of resistance that people are going through right now during trying to find these deals is going to make it so much easier when, um, the market isn't, isn't the way it, it currently is. So it's a really good time to start training and getting ready and, uh, and practicing your skills. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. What do you think? What do What do you think would have worked if you kept pushing down that whole ceiling path? What do you think might have been like the the strategy yeah. that would have actually brought brought in some deals? Because it was finding the deals that was a challenge, right? Yeah. No, I um I I actually am still working on it more part time than anything. So it's kind of just like um putting my head down and reanalyzing like where, where exactly are we targeting and why are we targeting that area? Um, we had just tried like in a market like London that it, it's really tough to kind of find properties in there right now. Everyone's kind of after them. So going to smaller areas like Chatham or St. Thomas or wherever else um, kind of makes more sense. So so we're not stopping the strategy and, and I still believe we're going to be super successful with it. It's just a matter of, um, yeah, definitely taking a step back and just examining what were we doing? Why wasn't it working? And what can we do that, you know, have it work in the future? Um, and so we're, we're changing up the kind of some of the tactics and systems that we had in place. And, um, and we're hoping in the next, you know, year, two years, we're going to be able to hit the ground running in a great way. So, but, but yeah, certainly, certainly a time gain. Um, and, uh, and a big challenge I have personally is just like impatience. I'm, I'm like a go, go, go on it like yesterday type of guy. And I need to really like be aware of that and use some self-awareness to be like, no, this is, you know, the, the game here is more long-term and you need to take a step back and just kind of be patient and, and let things marinate and just, um, and get ready. You know, it, it will be ready when it's ready. So you just need to keep on putting in that effort and, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say definitely it is a longer term thing, uh, especially when I, I like I did letters for a while, you know, um, a couple of years and, you know, a few years after I'd stop handing them out, I'd still get calls and someone say, oh yeah, I got this. I had this letter in my drawer, um, figured it was time to give you a call. So um so yeah, absolutely. Now I, I, we got a question here from Tom gone. He says, I think this one's, I think this is a pretty easy question to answer, but he's asking, do you find buying a new side-by-side -side duplex is a good idea compared to an older one at a similar price? Let's go with you, Riley. What do you, what do you, what do you think for the answer there? Um, yeah, I'm a big forced appreciation type of guy. So I love when you have some sweat equity that you can put into the property. So if it's, it's a bit older, but it needs some um, some love. Like that TLC that we were talking about, um, that would be that would be kind of my go-to compared to a, like a newer one. Um, but it really does come down to the numbers. Like obviously, crunch your numbers and see what makes sense and what you're able to get for rent. And if it hits your numbers, then it could be either. But uh, for me, usually I'm focusing on on the older properties that need some need some extra work. And the price is kind of the the price, you know. We need a bit more info probably because is it the same price is on the same street? Is it a price differently because it's in different markets, right? That sort of thing. If there's sweat equity, I agree. I like sweat equity too. But depending on the model for everyone, right? Too, if you if your if your model isn't to force appreciation or force it through sweat equity and you, you your lifestyle wants more of a turnkey solution, then probably a newer side by side duplex is a bit easier than a 
an older one that might have maintenance issues or renos, renos needed right away, right? I mean, just based on the way the question is worded straight up, um, you know, a new side-by-side -side duplex as compared to an older one at a similar price, assuming that it is already a duplex as well, you know, you've got, you've got two side-by-side, -side, which means everyone's got, you know, above grade living and it's a newer build. So you are going to have less maintenance issues. If it is just a sort of apples to apples comparison of the two, I would definitely say that the newer side by side would make a lot more sense. Assuming like Sandy said, it's not, you know, plunked down in the middle of a ghetto somewhere and, and the other one's in a beautiful family neighborhood. You, you know, those are uh, also things to consider as well, but thank you for the question. Hopefully we've helped Great. you out a little bit with that. So let's just, what, so what would be your biggest tip that you could give somebody new just starting out um, if these are their only words of wisdom that they're going to hear to direct themselves, how to start real estate investing, what would it be? Yeah, certainly. I, uh, I think it probably goes against a lot of the, the initial ways in which beginners start, uh, you know, being chasing the money, wanting that quick money, the easy money, um, the get rich quick type of schemes like, you know, and, and I think that's probably why I, I was challenged so much in wholesaling because I was approaching it from that mentality of like, let's do this quick and let's get within three months, I'm going to get a wholesale deal and I'm going to make a good amount of money and it didn't work. And, uh, and I learned my lesson. And, and so I think if that lesson can be passed off to the listeners, it would certainly be, be patient. Don't chase the money, chase the learning at the beginning. Um, however, you can get the learning if it's through a mentor, if it's through listening to podcasts like this, um, there's lots of ways that you can, you can get the knowledge. And I think as long as you're, you're going after, the knowledge and you're being a very curious investor and just wondering and questioning and um, using that kind of mentality, I think you're going to win and um, and being extremely patient. It isn't isn't a long or a, a short term game. Uh, there's no get rich quick type of ways in real estate investing. And I'm realizing that, and it's it's certainly a long term. So um, if you're coming in, I think it's it's going to be a minimum of five years. That's just kind of my my thoughts on on the topic. And um, yeah, so definitely coming in. And, and understanding that is very important at the beginning. Yeah. And I think it is funny how many people, first of all, who completely shift from absolute skepticism uh, about real estate investing and how risky it is and how, you know, how, how bad of an idea it would be to going, okay, well, what's the magic bullet about it? Like, where's the magic bullet? Tell me, tell me what that is. And, and uh, so I can figure this thing out. And you're absolutely right. Like it, that just doesn't exist. There's some really good strategies. There's some that can help you maybe uh, grow exponentially more than some others might. But if people are looking for, uh, we're all caught up in all these flashy headlines and we, we probably use them too, you know, how to retire at this age and how to, uh, how to grow your passive income to this much over the in the next 12 months, like that kind of thing. And that those are not mis they're not misleading, but there's sometimes um, they, sometimes people think that it's going to be easy. You know, it's not, it's not easy, right? It takes a lot of hard work in order to do that. And those people that we talk to have been willing like you to go out and do what it is that needs to be done to get there. So I think that that is a real key that a lot of people miss. You know, it's not, it isn't get rich overnight because, you know, you've, you can make some good moves, but the, the moves themselves, I think, are not what's going to make you rich. <sighs> you know, it just takes hard work. I think yeah, it's the this definitely takes hard work. It's easy. Uh, sorry, it's simple. It's not easy, right? There's not necessarily overly complex, but it's not going to be easy. It takes, it takes a lot of work, some late hours, 60 to 80, hour, 80 hours a week. Um, that's probably the reality for the first, at least starting out, right? It's probably inevitable you're going to spend a lot of extra time and a couple of sleepless nights on this stuff if you really want to you know, get your foot in the door and get going. We had a couple other questions there, um, follow-ups there. When doing the Burr, Burr, BRR strategy, buy rent or refinance rents, how much, maybe we can take this back to you, Riley, in terms of like the markets you're in, how much uh, of the rental costs can you expect to get back? Maybe on a typical 
duplex if you were incorporating the burst strategy and doing a duplex in london or one of those surrounding uh, tertiary markets how much how much of the rental costs and uh, i'm assuming they mean how much of your overall expenses so rental costs and um down payment would you actually expect to get back in that model sure yeah so if we're i guess using the example here of a duplex um i would predict that we're going to buy the duplex probably right now in this market let's say for london for example around 300 300,000 it's probably going to need around let's say $30,000 worth of renovation costs so they're going to be in it and um in it for let's say and again this is where the 10% comes in handy but let's say they put down 10% so now they're in it for for 60,000 so the 30k for the renovation and the 10% down for the down payment so 60,000 maybe you're going to have some closing costs too so let's say you're up to maybe 65,000 um and the goal is within the two years to get your refinance money back. So at, at easily 80% of what you're looking at. So through principal pay down and through the strategic renovations that we're doing to get back that, that 65 ish thousand. Um, and so, yeah, that's over a two year period to be able to, to pay down, um, you know, the, the mortgage a bit more and actually get the rents increased. So um, yeah, we're looking at, you know, hopefully a hundred percent. That's the expectation. So it's uh, over, uh, over uh, two years or less over right? two years. Yeah. Yeah. You can rush it and you can go through and you can maybe do it in like a year or something or a little less, but um, I, I usually like to over promise and under deliver. So when I'm doing it, that's just the way that, that it usually works. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you get, you guys don't go through the uh, strategy and then just do the refi right away. You'll hold off on the refi. We'll hold off on the refi. Yeah, I like to work with people that are more patient and they're they're willing to kind of, you know, put that money in the property for maybe two years or so. And if, if hey, we, we did a really great job at, re, you know, doing the strategic renovations and it went extremely well, and maybe we're actually able to get the appraisal value up um, high enough earlier on that um, we're able to refinance right off the get-go, then we will. Uh, we can do it within like a year, maybe even less, but but usually the expectation is two years refinance okay and what's the reasoning behind that if you force the appreciation and uh there is some there is some room for the refi to come through what's the yeah. why would you wait yeah it, it's for the tenants to pay rent um and so then there's just more equity in the property when there's more principal in the property so that's the main reason is just to um to play it safe it's almost like the extra bonus amount like over a two-year period there's going to be a good amount of rent that's coming in and like that will go towards the, the equity in the property. So sometimes we just need that extra bit of, of leeway to get that equity in the property before you refinance. But again, like, Hey, if, if we did an okay. Austin, it's just like market right now, the market is so, so challenging to find discounted properties in that. Um, yeah. Sometimes we just need that extra runway to get that refinance um, at a hundred percent. Well, it sounds like you still got some reasonably priced properties out that way. So the one number that we didn't catch on yours, well, let's just assume that you did the refi right away. So what would your after repair value be? So you bought it for 300, you you put what did you say? 30, 30 into just 30,000. Yeah. For the right Yeah. Okay. Um, you don't, and those, not that those numbers work like, you're finding that that's sufficient. Yeah, again, we're not taking things down right to the bare bones in the structure. So it, it's, you know, we're doing the flooring for a duplex. We're doing the painting. And I guess we're still using the duplex analogy, right? Or, or, or um, example. So yeah. Like the totally it's already a duplex. You don't. Yeah, we're, we're not converting it. Yeah, we're totally okay. not converting it. So. Um, and so you're just doing some cosmetic stuff. And then what would your after repair value of the, of the property be? Um, yeah, if it's worth 300, usually we're, we're getting the appraisal in maybe around 400 or so, like for, as an example, okay. yeah. those are, those are pretty good, decent numbers, especially when you don't have to, when it's worth a hundred grand more. Absolutely. It's really from increased rents. Like my property management experience, I feel like has allowed me to kind of figure out which properties are really under rented. And that's where the appraisal comes in a bit higher, um, is I think there's really the two main factors. So you're doing the renovations, that's going to increase the the evaluation of the and the appraisal, but it's also the rents. Like if you can identify a really under rented property um, and then you can get the rents up, like this triplex, we get the rents up almost like $700 between two, two units. And so um, that obviously helps the appraisal significantly. So. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, no. So that, that works. Thanks for answering those questions. 
we, we got, got one more here. You want to? Oh yeah, Sandy, you go ahead. Yeah. So is a question about having, um, you know, when you when when do we change up the strategy if you're sending out mailers, so flyers? Um, I'm assuming with the wholesaling strategy in mind here. Um, I guess the challenge is that you don't get feedback really, right? Your feedback is you get a phone call. You don't get like any other feedback, as if maybe if you were doing some online type of advertising or something. Sometimes you get feedback quicker and you get to test things with that model, you know, 50, in this case, at least 50,000 flyers sent out in one month and no phone calls. When do you change the approach? When do you adjust the strategy? Um, it's a pretty good question. When, what's your guys take on that? Well, my, my thought is that he's sending out the wrong flyer. Then like, if you're not, if you're not getting anything on 50,000 flyers, then it's, there's something, the wrong, there's yeah. something wrong with your flyer. Uh, you should get some kind of feedback for sure. Maybe um, it's too branded, like too much, too much corporate look. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I, I don't know if that's the case, but generally something that seems more genuine, more down to earth usually works better with that kind of like the flyer marketing. Um, I, I mean, it's really tough to say, right? What, what do you think, Riley? Uh, like I would say, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you're just doing flyers, I think you're, you're maybe shooting yourself in the foot with all the other opportunities for marketing. Um, I usually recommend like you put lawn signs in an area first. So if you're doing a certain area in London, for example, you're going to put lawn signs around all the major arteries for the turning, turning points, uh, for cars coming in and out of that kind of subdivision. And, and so maybe you're going to have your brand on there and then you're going to have your brand on the flyers. And even if you're going to pay door knockers, again, you can go on Indeed and hire some door knockers for minimum wage and uh, and have them go around and, and coach them on how to do the door knocking. Um, that way you're kind of using a bunch of different resources. And it, just like any kind of business you want to do, like minimum three touches, I think a lot of businesses are like six touches or more right now through emails and through social media, through podcasts and whatever else you're using for marketing. Um, it's the same idea with like a wholesaling business. So you need to treat it as such. And if you're only using like newspaper advertisements to try to reach out to a, a person trying to buy, um, then you're, you're really kind of shutting off all these other avenues in which you can touch the customer. And so you want to make sure that you're, I think, yeah, doing door knocking, you're doing flyers, you're doing lawn signs. Um, if you can afford it, maybe some Facebook ads, you can do some SEO for your website. Um, and make sure that your branding is, is very similar, but not too corporate. I think that's, that's where it, you can kind of go down the wrong path for the type of avatar that would be selling the property to you. Well, if you did that, that's a great answer. And if you did that in one mark, one area over and over again, the door knocking thing is a, I think a great opportunity right now. How many people are sitting out there? You know, we talked about the challenges of the COVID landscape. <laughs> what if, how many people are sitting out there that are of that, uh, minimum wage type of, you know, looking for a minimum wage type job that it either doesn't exist right now or, or, or they're at home collecting a CERB payment or something, government support, and maybe just want a bit of extra cash or something. Right. So how many of those opportunities are out there to find some people like that, that are going to want to do that. And maybe they'll learn through doing that about what this whole market and real estate investing is like as well. Right. So there's opportunities out there to, to work with that, but I agree for sure. You need to hit them six, seven, eight times before they even remember who you are to get through the noise of all the other marketing crap that's out there. Right. I think too, maybe something that you should look at is how long ago that you sent them. I mean, if you, if they just went out, you know, give it some time. Um, you will get some calls off those flyers. I would imagine the other thing too, is where they went. I mean, you got to pay close attention to who they're going to, you know, 50,000 flyers to people living in apartment buildings, isn't going to return you any calls. So, um, you know, I'm sure you already know that, but those are also things to consider as well. Um, well, that's good. Uh, we, we need to get the people asking more questions in future shows. This is when, uh, this is where, uh, if you're listening and not watching this, uh, you got to jump on and ask us, cause it's great to have some of these, uh, on the fly questions that really, uh, helps, uh, I think create some good opportunities to, to share some value here on the show. Just over three weeks, he said. So. Yeah, I think that's, you know, give us some time. I think there'll be some some feedback at least, if not a bunch of calls coming in in the next little bit, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's let's wrap things up. I think we've had a great interview here. Um, I, I'm sure there's some people that want to reach out to you now after hearing this. How can they do that? 
Yeah, I'd love to love to connect with anyone um, and share as much value as I can. So uh, usually social media is the best way. So you can go to um, both Instagram and Facebook pages at Riley Local Investor. Um, or you can go to my website. There's also a form on, on my website to set up a call. And, uh, and the website's just simply my first and my last name. So um, RileyWickle.com. And you can go there and, and you can set up a call. So, Okay, perfect. And uh, for those of you who don't have the video up or whatever, you can go to the show notes and we'll have the links to what Riley just talked about in there. And you can touch base with them through that. Um, we'll just spell out your name too, just for the people listening. R I L E Y last name is O I C K L E. Okay. So you can find them on all your social media platforms that way. And Sandy, how can people reach out to you? Yeah. Two eight nine three eight nine six eight four six or Sandy at McKay realty network.com. And anyone who would like to chat with me can reach me at Rob at Mr. Breakthrough.ca. Well, thank you everybody again for joining us and uh, happy that some more people engaged over Facebook and asked us some questions for their guests. And Riley, thank you for joining us. Really appreciated having you on. We'll see everybody next time.